Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Everyone to another episode of Agents of Mace. Today is our holiday episode. That has nothing to do with the holiday, um, but it will come out during the holiday. So get ready for that. Uh, but it is our continuation of watching the X Men films in chronological order, sort of, sort of. Uh, yes, it gets a little messy, but uh, we finally did it. We finally made it through all the first class movies. Nothing against them, but. We have gotten to the, as Elisa said earlier, the better X-Men movies. <laughs> um, so there's, we're... There's two of them. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> true, very true. Um, so we're starting with X-Men, uh, which if you try to look it up is probably the hardest thing to look up on the internet because it's just called X-Men. And if you look up X-Men 2000, which is when the movie came out, you get a bunch of comics from 2000 that came out. So very difficult to look up, but... All in all, a wonderful start to the X-Men franchise um, being the original X-Men film. Uh, I will say I learned something new about this film, uh, which is the original screenplay. Not necessarily the screenplay that we get in this movie, but the idea screenplay that kind of like sparked getting X-Men on the silver screen was... In the 1980s, 1984, there was uh, this guy, let's see, Gary Conway and Roy Thomas. They worked for Orion, and they had the rights to make an X-Men film, and they Mm. wrote a screenplay, and then Orion fell into financial trouble, and development stalled, and then they lost the rights to X-Men, and so that movie never came out. But I would love to see wow. an X-Men movie from the 80s. I love <laughs> yeah. 80s movies. So yeah. I can't imagine like what crazy practical effects they so would have used. Circle back again. This was written in the 80s or the film would have been set in the 80s? It was written in the 80s. 1984 okay. is when they yeah, started so, working on it. Okay. Huh. 
Could you imagine who they would have cast? Oh. No. <laughs> but I'm sure it would have been like... Like, we could go back... Yeah, well, we need to make a grid of like, who were the hit people during that time? And like, who, who do we think and, would and be... Would it have been like an 80s action movie? So would we have got like Sylvester Stallone or... <sighs> Arnold Schwarzenegger like I, I don't there's people that oh, yeah. I feel like were big action it's, actors it's almost like you think of like the the expendables right yes it's almost like them yeah that <laughs> in their <cast>. younger years <laughs> there would have been like half of the x-men right there <laughs> yeah and, and I they would have it would have been so much action I would have loved that movie. probably bright lights because <laughs> especially like you said 84 yeah, we need to see what else was around during that time. All I can think of is like Valerie Bertinelli playing Rome. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Hang on, I gotta uh, look up 1984 films. Because I just want to know what was coming out during that time. Dreamscape. Is that like Dirty Dancing era? Because then we could have had like Patrick Swayze playing where, uh, Wolverine. <laughs> 16 Candles, Never Ending Story. Ah, oh, such good ones. Foot, <laughs> Footloose. So we, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin Bacon and Cyclops. I don't want that. <laughs> right. I'm trying to find like Dune. Dune. Um. Yeah, I don't see like action film. Oh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Gremlins. Last. Oh man, Star- we rewatched Gremlins the other night, and Gremlins too. I would totally love just if we if we wanted to to do a one special episode cover the last Starfighter because <laughs> that's one of my favorites. Um, yeah, so like sci-fi movies during that time, you had Dune, <clears throat> Starman, um, Last Starfighter, Star Trek: The Search for Spock, Terminator. I think that's yeah. what I thought when Terminator. Yeah. That, so yeah. I think that it would have been a lot more practical effects. Yeah. Which um, would have been oh, yeah. so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It would have it would have been very cool. That, that's saw, my favorite thing. <laughs> speaking of Terminator, I saw just this morning where the original concept for a Spider-Man movie would have been directed by James Cameron. I've James heard about Cameron that. was going to produce the X-Men movie as well. Uh, what? But ended up not being part of it. He had other stuff going on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Another side uh, note, it, I'm, on, I'm on a Cameron kick right now, so watch True Lies last night. <laughs> Well, apparently Stan Lee got Cameron interested in making a Spider-Man movie, and so he, the X-Men James Cameron movie fell through. Womp. So we can blame Stan Lee for that. And James Cameron. And James Cameron. But, you know. <laughs> uh, but let's get a, let's get into the movie because so much exciting stuff happens in this movie, and it really sets off this universe that I really hope gets built upon as opposed to the first-class universe getting built upon. I don't... They got way out of hand way too fast, uh, and this, I felt like, was a more gradual build. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that this is the building blocks that we use for the future of X-Men and the MCU. Um but we kind of start off focusing on Rogue, um, who, like, I don't know, weird choice to be, like, the lead uh, through these movies, or at, at least the first two. is Yeah, she's a part of the third one. But it really seems like in X-Men and X2, Rogue is, like, a 
central character. Mm-hmm. Um, but she never gets to be like cool comic book rogue. We never see like flying through the air. Right. I guess it never. makes sense that they have like a, a teenage character that's kind of the, the entry point for the audience. And so that would have been kind of the target audience mm-hmm. is like people rogues age and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I guess probably also since they got uh, Anna Paquin to play her because it's it's easy to forget now since like she did True Blood and stuff since then but she had just won an Oscar <laughs> like she I think she is still the youngest Oscar winner in history she was like 11 when she won one what was it for uh the piano I think okay um so yeah she was she was a big deal back then and because this was kind of my entry point for X-Men whenever I was young, I really liked Rogue as a character. And also because she's like, she's country. <laughs> um, and this is this is the only movie where she is country, by the way. She sounds like she's from Mississippi in exactly one movie. <laughs> so to me, it makes sense that they kind of use her uh, to get, uh, again, kind of this, this target teenage group uh, into the world of the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. But then I almost feel like the second movie, it's weird because it feels forced whenever they do rogue stuff. Whereas, like, by the second movie, everyone cares more about the, like, main X-Men. Yeah. And so they have this whole, like, side story with her and Bobby and Pyro. And you're just like, what is this? Like, why do you keep splitting it, splitting up the group so that we can see Rogue and Bobby doing stuff? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But even by then, it's you know it's all about Wolverine. I oh think. well, yeah, that, absolutely. You know, once, <laughs> once the opening sequence with Wolverine and X Men is just so like it's just badass. Like it's just like mm-hmm. yeah. And he's and it's one of oh go ahead. I was just gonna say it's one of a few early Marvel movies where they've got a cage fight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, it, it becomes is, like an X Men like, trope. <laughs> It's like the start of the cage fights. <laughs> so we uh, should do we should do a, we should do a Marvel ranking for all cage fight scenes. <laughs> I yeah, I, well this there's like this idea of like mutant versus mutant, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's weird that that's what they they lean on. Uh, but I will say that I think the casting in this movie really helped boost a lot of these people's careers moving forward. Not Mm -hmm. that they like didn't a bunch of them didn't already have like, you know, blossoming careers or well, really, really established careers. Right. (laughs) But like, I feel like this movie really took some of them to a new level as far as what they were able to do. And, what we've seen them in since i mean wolverine is the perfect example right hugh jackman Mm -hmm. as wolverine then led to x2 being sort of like a wolverine origin story to then they kind of faltered with uh dark phoenix Mm -hmm. and i feel like they saw the potential they had with hugh jackman as wolverine so then all of a sudden they started pumping out these wolverine movies on the side and now he's out of all of them, probably the most iconic X-Men character apart from Professor Xavier and right. and Magneto. But he's the hardest one for me, I think, moving forward to see be recast. 
like anybody else being recast is like, okay, I get it. Right. Like, mm. but <clears throat> Wolverine is Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman is Wolverine. Anybody and let us not forget Hugh Jackman was technically a recast. Yeah. Cause they had uh, the first one drop out uh, last minute. And so they just brought Hugh Jackman on like literally within a couple of weeks of them having to film. And he did this with the role. Unbelievable. Right. Right. And also, we we only thought Hugh Jackman was jacked in this movie. Yeah, no, he was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like, wow, that dude's really, really built. Turns out, <laughs> not, not yet. yet. Miles not yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Saw something uh, the other day. I, I didn't go read the full article, but I guess he had done something where he was talking about his regrets for leaving the character for like a, the short sprint, you know? Mm-hmm. You just imagine if like he just stayed committed like what other Wolverine films we could have gotten. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or even just like other X-Men movies that we got any of that. Yeah. That were sort of like based around him. Cause even if you think about the like days of future past, right. That's Mm -hmm. an X-Men film, Mm -hmm. but like really it's just another Wolverine film. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause we're just following him. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and we can't get too far from the actual opening sequence here with Magneto, uh, the portrayal of him being young and being put in a concentration camp. And that was supposed to turn into what was probably going to be a much better origin movie for Magneto that followed him as a young man uh, mm-hmm. in Europe. And so that I love the opening sequence. That's still one of my favorite scenes in this entire franchise mm-hmm. today. Oh, yeah. And it could have been, God, if we could have got a whole movie like that, that would have been amazing. Mm-hmm. That one stuck with me because mm-hmm. this is like teenage primetime years like just how dark and gritty that was intense like i yeah this is one Mm -hmm. of the most memorable scenes for any comic book fan for comic book movies so Mm -hmm. good and to even see it like sort of replayed yeah in uh in first class when they like kind of remind you of yeah Eric's beginning and, and it's they like pulled so heavy from this scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. I think one thing that the movie really has going for it is that it, it has a plot. Mm-hmm. It has yeah. a story, but the story is sort of like the secondary thing that you're watching. You're more watching the like development of all these characters. Mm hmm. And just getting so excited, like the whole time I was like, oh my gosh, like I can't wait to watch X2. I wish that (laughs) X3 had been different and like gone some other way because they do such a good job of building up these characters. I think the only one that they don't build up well in this movie is Jean. Mm. I think she just like, Jean is like the second most powerful psychic Mm. on earth. And in this movie, she just doesn't do anything. (laughs) Well, like to this movie's credit, it never drags. It manages to introduce all these characters Mm. and it does so in a nice, clean hour and 45 minutes. Do y'all remember there was a time when they made Mm. movies like this that were less than two hours long? (laughs) Blows my mind now. (laughs) But yeah, they just they don't stop. And spend enough time with Jean. I, I agree there. And also with Storm. We don't really see very much of Storm in this. And she's mm-hmm. such a great character. Um, 
Yeah, we will have to talk about Jean and Scott and everybody later. But yeah, I totally, I totally agree that they are not fully fleshed out here. We just kind of get mm. like a, hi, this is what this person is like. We're just kind of getting everything in place with this movie. Right. But even with Storm, like we get to see Storm kick Do butt. Storm stuff. And, <laughs> yeah, in a fight. Whereas I feel like Jean is able to stop Toad in midair. But then he spits on her, so that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And so the rest of the time she's like flailing around on the ground, can't breathe. And before that, I feel like the only other thing that happens to her is whenever Wolverine gets there the first time and she's putting a needle in his arm, he like turned around and puts her in a chokehold. So like the mm-hmm. whole movie, I just feel like Jean can't breathe <laughs> and we never get to see her do it. Even even when they go into Cerebro, she's like, yeah, no, I'm not strong enough to do Cerebro. So it's like I don't. they just mm-hmm. make Jean feel weak. When she's not weak. Yeah. Like, as a kid, I didn't understand that Jean was supposed to be so powerful. Right. Mm-hmm. I was just like, who even is this? Why doesn't she have a cool name? Right. Right. We don't get the tease until the next film, which that whole, like, final shot was incredible. And and even during that time, I was so heavy on the X-Men animated series. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was getting that character development and mm-hmm. knowing, like, what where they're going and things like that which i know we're we're talking about the movies but like if you're looking for something fun to watch and like <laughs> really really well done and cool as far as like marvel comics goes definitely watch the original x-men series mm-hmm. i mean it follows so many stories like mm-hmm. every major x-men story is played out in that series but not in like a rushed way like they do it very, they do each one justice based on like what happens in the comics. So it, it's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like a million episodes. So it'll take you a while to get through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and to get ready for X-Men 97 that should be coming out next year or the year after. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to know where that will pick up. Yeah. Um, What did y'all think of Magneto's casting? A plus. <laughs> I like, even during the time, like first seeing it. I, I can't imagine anybody else playing it. it. Yeah, I don't know. First. Like during <laughs> during that time, I probably went in pretty much blind on it all. But I was just, I don't know. That was the only thing that I kind of struggled with initially, mm-hmm. was just having Magneto. Just it just felt like the character was too old. I get the whole like. You know, once you have the character development there in the relationship, it works. But just the initial, my initial reaction on that was like a bit off because I don't know. I just, I just couldn't, it's difficult for me to picture Magneto being much older. I think for me, like, I, I think I've talked about this before, but going into like the X-Men movie, X-Men was like the majority of what I knew as far as comics went. I didn't read a lot of like Avengers or anything like that. I pretty much only read X-Men comics. So I was super excited and I felt like he played a very strong Magneto. Um, And by the second movie, it was like, yeah, this is Magneto. Like Mm -hmm. he's got it. And I feel like, yes, they were older, both he and Charles, but it kind of, it's kind of how I saw them anyway in the comics is like Magneto always had white hair. Charles is always in his wheelchair and bald. So it was just kind of like 
they're cast a little bit on appearance, but then it's like a bonus that they can also act really well. Um, but I also didn't, I, you know, at the time we didn't have anything like the Marvel cinematic universe mm-hmm. where you were looking like 12 to 13 years down the line of these movies still coming out. So realistically three movies was like all I was expecting anyway because that's the thing right everyone was trying to do trilogies so it was like okay well, you know we may get two more of these movies or we may get some like spin-off movies or something but I never really expected it to be like 12 movies deep <laughs> with these actors so I think at the time that didn't bother me as much as it would now like now if they were like hey we're casting I don't know. I'm trying to like pull a a new character off the top of my head that we haven't seen yet. That's like a big character mm-hmm. like Blade. Okay. So Blade's been cast, but like, let's pretend Blade wasn't cast. If they come back tomorrow and they're like, Hey, we're casting Wesley Snipes as Blade again. Hmm. I would be like, okay. for how, like how many Blade movies are we going to get? Like, unless you try to turn them all out really quick, he's a little bit older. I don't know that he's going to be able to do all the like crazy flipping around, Blade hey, stuff. hey! Like, if Tom Cruise can do a thank you video <laughs> while free falling, I think yeah, true. I, I think we can get maybe five more Blade movies from Wesley Snipes. <laughs> did you say that? Did you say the tweet that they said that if Tom Cruise and Christopher Nolan ever did a movie together, they would wind up killing Tom Cruise? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I, is accurate. It is very true. I feel like that now I would think more about the longevity yeah, than, yeah. than when this movie came out. It was mm-hmm. less less thinking like, I'm going to see this, mm-hmm. you know, this portrayal mm-hmm. of Magneto and Professor X for the rest of my life. It was more <laughs> like, <laughs> but now, now that I am here, it is like, oh man, like, wouldn't that be great if they could just be them forever? But mm-hmm. Well, and like if you're looking at the timeline of this movie, it makes sense for them to cast uh, people their ages to play these characters because that would be about their age. If we're going by uh, Mm. this being in the near future from 2000 and it shows uh, it shows Magneto being in a concentration camp when he was he looks like he was about 10, 11, 12 then he would be in his 60s by the time uh, mm. he was this character. I don't know mutants age different because like Mystique is also that old as we learned in the earlier movies. <laughs> um, but part of her mutation keeps her from aging normally. But I don't know if Magneto's does that. Um, so yeah, it never, it never crossed my mind whenever I was a kid, especially that either one of them were too old to play these roles. I just thought that's the way that they are. Um, and also, like, they did the thing where they cast these not only just veteran actors, but, like, Shakespearean-level theater actors to play these big, bombastic comic mm-hmm. book characters. And mm-hmm. so, to me, that just works beautifully. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I love both of them in, in these roles. And I know I've said it before, but one of my teachers in college made us watch a video of young Ian McKellen uh, being in, I think it was a Christopher Marlowe play. And she warned us. She's like, he was very beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) And we were like, okay, sure. And then she turned on the video and we all going, cause he was, it was like shocking. (laughs) (laughs) I'm bummed that we won't get X-Men movies like this anymore. 
Like I feel like now as much as I enjoy the the Marvel movies, they are very heavy CGI mm-hmm. films. Um and that's what I was trying to say like or when we were talking about, you know, this potentially being an 80s movie, like practical effects are always going to look better and Mm-hmm. I even think about when we did our uh, Wolverine Origins mm-hmm. movie. It, it's like, why why are his claws CGI'd the whole time? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Whereas in this movie, he just has like this little thing that he holds in his hand with the claws attached to it. So they look like they're coming out of his hand. Like it, yeah. it looks so much better. I don't know why we have to CG everything. And I feel like when we get X-Men in the future, there's going to be it's yeah, so like, much like the Wolverine's going to be in this bucket of like films that it feels like it's just a playground. It's like, we got this mm. new tech. This would be great to test it out on, <laughs> but it's such a big brand. We know people are going to go see it. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those, but that is a question. Like I have, it's like, especially with, with this going into the MCU, you know, that was, that was one of the, the, the minor little differences, but I thought it was so cool. It's like Wolverine, you know, the claws kind of come out between his fingers mm-hmm. versus, you know, typically it's like a butt, like on his wrist, like, mm-hmm. or like on top of his hand. Um, so I wonder what they'll do in the new one. Yeah. But I even think about things like, um, I know this is an X2, but we see it in X1 too, is um, when Nightcrawler, is like mm-hmm. leaping around. Mm-hmm. It's clearly a guy on wires leaping around. When Toad in this movie is jumping from pillar to pillar, it's clearly a real person on wires jumping from pillar to pillar. I feel like now they would have a like CG body double mm-hmm. and they would just mm-hmm. animate it leaping. Like think about Mantis, right? When Mantis is jumping around in the Guardians of the Galaxy special. That's not a person. That's a CG scary CG monster that they've created leaping Mm -hmm. from pole to pole. (laughs) And so it's like, it just has a different feel to it than if it was a real, I know it looks a little goofy and you can tell it's a person on wires, but I kind of like that more because it, it's like, well, at least it's a real person doing that stunt. (laughs) And that's why they cast people like, like Ray Park in those roles because they can do that stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. (laughs) going back to like the whole Tom Cruise thing, like I was talking with (laughs) my wife about this last night. I was just like, that's just like, I just love the, like say what you will about Tom Cruise. He's, he's a Hollywood star. And just the fact that he's committed to do that kind of stuff. Why can't more people do that? So we can stick with these practical effects and better experiences. Right. He is insane, but it makes for good movies. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of, uh, speaking of Ray, um, we were talking about this uh, before we started the episode, but most of you probably know uh, the guy that plays Toad is also the same guy that plays Darth Maul. And we do get like a a little, st- I want to say it, it's a little Star Wars nod mm-hmm. uh, after he not- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Storm down the elevator shaft. He pulls the pole holding the door open and he like does a quick twirl and then holds it behind his back and does like the Darth Maul stance. Funniest thing in the movie to me this time watching it. I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, that's right. He's Darth Maul. Like, yeah. so funny that they threw that in there. I don't know if it actually was a nod to that, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it was. It probably yes. was. It probably was. <laughs> We do get a lot of uh, good action in this movie. We get um, a fun fight scene between Wolverine and Wolverine, um, <laughs> which is really cool because like, I have never thought of Rogue as being able to copy powers. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that she like pulls out adamantium claws, which like she's able to cut a rope with them, but then when they like clash claws together, Logan's actually like cut through hers. Um, So like, are those her fingers? Like, what is that part of her body? I don't know like how, what, how that works. Uh, So that was like an interesting. Well, she can generate stuff. We know that she can make it look like she's wearing different clothes and all that. I don't know if she can make adamantium. So I think that was something that looked like it, but maybe wasn't that like that kind of metal. Right. Uh, but yeah, we, we were also watching that and I was like, huh, that doesn't a thousand percent make sense. Cause she like <laughs> even switches back mid air into her normal form. And I was like, why would she give up that skeleton covered in metal? And Mason was like, she probably doesn't do all that on the inside, Elisa. It's probably just an appearance thing. <laughs> I was like, well, we don't know. It's very unclear. <laughs> yeah. But if it is an appearance thing, like when she creates the claws and then they get cut in half, is that part of her body? Like, wouldn't she be bleeding somewhere when she transformed back? Like, I think of it like, um, mm. uh, what's his name? Oh my gosh. Tin man. What's his, why can't I think of his name? The Russian. Oh, um, 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 um. Colossus. Yes. Colossus. That's not it. Mm. Okay. It is. Yeah, yes. It is. Okay. Um, so I know there's a moment in the comics, I believe, where Colossus gets his head dented and then oh he has he can never change back. He has to stay in his Colossus form for the rest of his life because if he changed back, that dent would. would kill him. And so it's like, well, that's like a cool way to realize like, oh, 
he has this power, but like if he gets physically harmed while he's in his power mode, he can never change back because that damage will happen to his like a human body. Mm-hmm. So thinking that way, I feel like it would have been cool at least if she had like changed back and the top of her hand had been cut or some like something would have shown that because she yells like it hurts her. So But like what happens if she takes her shoes off? Is that the same thing? Does she wear shoes? Whenever she changes into somebody who's wearing shoes. Cause whenever she's the the senator's assistant, like she's like in a suit and everything. And right. then she changes back, but what if she had like I don't know, taken her jacket off? Mm-hmm. Is that is that Yeah, her? like part of her skin. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> what? These are questions that Ew. we want answered, Marvel. <sighs> Yeah. Answer these for us. <laughs> Actually, don't. I don't want to think about it anymore. <laughs> uh, I do think it's cool that we immediately jump into an X-Men world where people know about mutants. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's already sort of, they're setting up this, do we like mutants? Do we not like mutants? Right. As opposed to kind of what we get in first class where like, nobody knows about mutants and then all of a sudden everyone knows about mutants um i kind of like where we already all know about it i'm i'm hoping that when we get mutants in the mcu it's done in a way where like we don't have to sit through an entire origin for mutants Mm -hmm. i think i would rather them just like we said either show up because of the snap or show up because of some sort of like cosmic energy. But don't, I don't want to watch a whole movie about some mutants hiding the fact that they're mutants. And then at the end, they accidentally reveal that they're mutants. And now the world knows mutants exist. Like we already done that. So, right. Yeah. Cause that was another like fuzzy area. It's like, it's like, when do powers actually like, happen like Mm -hmm. if you are a mutant and then like especially with like rogue story it's kind of like do her parents know or is it just one of those like it happens and what do they do like how are they how does that affect their lives and Mm -hmm. where do they stand on mutants non-mutants one of them mutant but they've kept it a secret this long right yeah and and that like i feel like that gets talked about more in the second movie which is kind of why the second movie to me is always the one that like stands out as x-men yeah. mm-hmm. um because they do kind of touch on that with like bobby and his family and i think rogue even talks about the fact that like her family doesn't accept it so that's why she doesn't go back um that would yeah, explain why she ran away yeah it's just like that's that's like the x-men dilemma right like, yes, they build up all these villains for them to face. But really, if you think about the villain, the main villains are like the Brotherhood of Mutants, which mm-hmm. are really just like a bunch of mutants that are tired being oppressed because they're mutants. Yeah. So it's like a it's like real world issues being dealt with, but with superheroes and supervillains and superpowers. Um, although I guess they're mutations, technically. Um, so I, I think that's why X-Men really stands out to me, at least as like, I enjoy X-Men stuff more than Avengers and 
the regular heroes. Although I feel like lately they have been sort of bringing more of that in, um, dealing with like real world consequences or like if they accidentally destroy a building and there's people in the building, well, now you you've killed those people. Like that stuff is showing up more and more in superhero stuff in general. Mm-hmm. And I think that that makes it more relatable like it's not just you can't just fly through a town and destroy everything in a fight and leave and it's cool Mm -hmm. uh or drop an entire city from the sky and destroy that city and then be like oh that was cool like no there's repercussions for that stuff Mm -hmm. um and marvel's been doing that and doing really well with it so i'm hoping that when they introduce mutants they don't forget that that's kind of like the the main draw yes it brings to the question of like within especially within the mcu realm could we potentially like what side are we going to see first really are we going to see a group of good mutants like save somebody but then we're looking at like the government side of things the military side of things of like whoa this is this is new, like we got to control this, or is it going to be completely opposite? And you have like Magneto or some other right. on the eviler side that's destroying stuff. That's kind of right. I think it would be interesting for them to approach it with maybe the government side first. Like maybe mm-hmm. we get introduced to Stryker and the X Force mm-hmm. first. Yeah, yeah. And we realize that, like, oh, these are like not these guys are not great mm-hmm. and maybe from there we get introduced to they try to pull in like cyclops or so, you know like mm-hmm. somebody more recognizable who's then <laughs> like no this isn't right that or a science approach where they're like because it seems like the way they're trickling it in it's like if you look at miss marvel it's like oh it's a mutation you know and it's kind of mm-hmm. going more of this like well this is interesting like we need to observe this from a scientific mm-hmm. standpoint and could that lead into striker you know mm-hmm. i just think that's like a cool way to introduce them because mm-hmm. i feel like the marvel films have done so much work to kind of build up that like the government is not bad but definitely not good um and we're getting this thunderbolts right Mm -hmm. and that's i mean that's essentially what that is to our knowledge so far is that she's pulling these like people that are trying to do the right thing but doing it in the wrong way and she's (laughs) pulling them in to make this like super team so it's like it would be it would make sense for them to introduce some sort of, like you said, maybe some like science division that's doing tests on people that have abilities and then trying to like figure out a way to turn them into like spies or agents or weapons. And maybe that gets out to somebody. And then that's how we get introduced to the fact that mutants are here. Um, I don't know. I think that would be cool. A, Mm -hmm. A cool way to do it to sort of introduce the fact that they've been here for a while, but it's being kept under wraps by this government force. Yeah. It's basically going to be Mystique's just going to show up at the Avengers headquarters and just <laughs> roaming around. like. 
So I did actually have a thought on that. Um, if we do get Mystique, that could be a perfect way to bring some of these actors back in who are no longer going to be doing these roles. Um, like they could very easily bring Robert Downey Jr. back <clears throat> and he could show up somewhere and mm-hmm. then we could find out that that was Mystique. Like pretending to be Iron Man. I think that would be a cool way to like give them cameos in the future without them having to sign on to do like a full movie. Because I know that was kind of like the problem. They were like, I don't want to get shoehorned into doing 600 of these. It's like, that's fine. But like show back up every now and then when Mystique is trying to be sneaky. Could be cool. (laughs) Yeah. Something that Mason pointed out when we were watching this is he's like, Mystique can do everything. Like if she takes over somebody who's supposed to be flying an airplane, she can fly that airplane. She's supposed to be working in the White House. She knows her way around there. She knows everything she's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. He's like, she has, she's doing the homework before she's doing all these (laughs) Mm -hmm. things. And I was like, well, it helps that she's, you know, apparently like 70 years old and has all of this fun life experience to draw from. So I want to ask a question. Speaking of Mystique, because we do get kind of like a, they do, this is pre-end credits movie, um, Mm -hmm. but we do get like an end credit scene, but before the credits, um, (laughs) where we see the senator talking and then Mm -hmm. his eyes are yellow and it's like, oh, that's Mystique. Mm -hmm. Um, I do want to know, like, what do you guys think happened to the senator? He melted. So he, yeah, he melts, but like he melts into the ocean, right? Yeah. So like, is he still in the ocean? Could he like ever like come back on land and reform? I don't think so. I think that they said that since his body was rejecting the mutation, it couldn't handle having those differences. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think he's actually dead. And really it couldn't have happened to a Nasser guy. (laughs) gets turned into a weird gloop monster yeah yeah he's just uh he's one with the ocean (laughs) (laughs) but wait he he like he waterifies on the table so he doesn't even get to be reunited with the ocean somebody brought in a shot back and just (laughs) (laughs) just sucks him up (laughs) (laughs) like well that's that (laughs) it's interesting because like i know that that was kind of Again, this is all like pre-planning for this like multi-movie phase Mm -hmm. leading to a bunch of other movies. But it almost seemed like this was them trying to get us to a Terrigen Mist situation. Like them converting people who could potentially... Because, I mean, that's what Terrigen Mist does, right? Like if you Mm -hmm. watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., instead of liquefying people it like turns people into stone and Mm. if you if you accept the mutation then you break free of the stone cocoon and now you have a mutation if you don't then you're dead and you stay like a statue forever i think in the comics it's more like you if you are a mutant you go into like a cocoon state and then you come out with powers and if you're not a mutant and there's no mutation then you just die in the mist so Mm. there's this sort of drawing from comics aspects that again is like something that I hoped got brought into Miss Marvel. Uh, We never did see that. Yeah. I'm still like a little hazy 
and hope that they explain Miss Marvel a little bit more in the future because she has the little gauntlet thing that gives her power, but also she has a mutation that I, f- I guess allows her to use the power. I, I, I'm wondering if that's going to be explained in the Marvels. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping so. Um, or at least touched on. Yeah, I guess the question is like, who who is she going to spend most time with and can they answer those questions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like, are they even going to bother trying because like mm-hmm. now we're working on this Kang dynasty yeah, and that doesn't necessarily like have anything to do with mutants currently. So mm-hmm. maybe they're holding off on explaining the mutants. But I do hope that we get some more at least, like mm-hmm. bring them in. They're cool. Yeah. Uh, I guess the last thing for me on this movie is this movie out of all the X-Men movies has my favorite look for Sabretooth. He's not, he's not the best of acting Sabretooth. I still like live, right? Um, I think that's the best Sabretooth, but like the look is like the most comic book accurate of, Mm -hmm. of everyone in this movie. Yep. And it's, 100%. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. One of my favorite <laughs> favorite parts. This was played by Tyler Maine. Um, he's a wrestler, who, right? Yeah, I think so. He's he's portrayed Michael Myers in uh, the the Halloween one and two. Was mm-hmm. that the Rob, is it Rob Zombie that did those? Yes, yeah, Rob Zombie. Yeah, they were so gross. <laughs> yeah. So he's done a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff. And he's an actual giant. I looked up how tall yeah. he is. He's six foot nine. <laughs> he's Insane. perfect. He's crazy. Like, it looks great. I love it. Yeah. And I, I don't know why they, in the very next movie, they were like, yeah, nah, that's too much. It's like, was it? It was awesome. <laughs> I hope that if they, okay, when they get to X-Men in the future, that we can get some of the kind of more comic accurate costumes because they're so Fun. Mm, right. And this one, they're all just wearing like black jumpsuits. I'm like, oh, this is lame. Which mm. it totally fits with like a late 90s, early aughts aesthetic. It mm. is 100% in line with that. If you yeah, put any of these costumes, <laughs> if you put them in the Matrix, nobody would know. Yeah. <laughs> Though what's kind of silly is uh, it's kind of where Guardians 3 is going. They're all wearing the same. So I I agree, but at least in Guardians of the 3, they are wearing their comic accurate uh, yeah. Nova uniforms. Yeah. Nova so it's like, because yeah. I thought that too, when I saw the trailer, I was like, ew, why are mm-hmm. they all wearing that? And then I yeah. looked at it closer and I was like, oh, it's their Nova uniforms. Like, that's cool. We're finally getting like Guardians of the Galaxy and not mm-hmm. just like a bunch of people on a ship together. Mm-hmm. Um, But I feel like they have teased Wolverine getting a comic accurate suit basically the entire time Wolverine oh, yeah. has been around. It's wild to me that we haven't gotten it yet. Mm. Yeah. The, the decisions and reasoning have to be so silly around that. Like I wonder yeah, like, how they much want to. Well, it's just, I'm curious to how much Hugh Jackman, like maybe potentially fought for that. I wonder if he fought for it. I guess that's the question is like, mm-hmm. did he ever want to do a comic accurate suit? And mm-hmm. if he did, who was pushing against it? Right. I think we can all agree that someone who will push for it is Ron Reynolds. Yes. Oh, 100%. yeah. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Oh yeah. But then I think that goes back to like, what do we think Wolverine's 
going like what do we think Hugh like I won't even say Wolverine because all we know is that Hugh Jackman mm-hmm. is going to be in Deadpool three. Mm-hmm. I had this conversation with my fiance was that like do we think he's going to be in it as Wolverine or do we think he's going to be in it as Hugh Jackman? <laughs> and it's just going to be funny and wow. they're playing it up like oh Hugh Jackman's in the movie and so we're all like oh my god Wolverine's in the movie but maybe it's not Wolverine maybe it's all maybe just a big prank and he's but, in it but he's just in it as Hugh Jackman either way just take my now, money <laughs> yeah, right right now Cable's going to be in this again right um, yes I believe they announced that are we getting more time jump multiverse? Stuff? It's just one of those. Is he going to be in it for like two minutes? Like they just jump into a different universe and he's just sitting at a bar and like, that's right. it. Like, right. That's the, that's the struggle here is that like, is he going to be in it or is he going to be in it? Right. Um, right. right. Cause I guess we know he's in it in some capacity. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope that we do get, you know, even if it's just Hugh Jackman wearing a comic accurate Wolverine <laughs> costume, but he's not Wolverine, like I would be fine with that. I just want to see what it would look like in. Could you just imagine like something crazy is going on and he like Wade Wilson just passes by the comic accurate and he's just like looking good, Hugh, and then that's it. <laughs> It'll be like the end credit scene, yeah. Um. Yeah, I think comic accurate suits are making a comeback now. They've been doing it more like in the series, um, in the movies. They've been trying to incorporate it a little bit more. And I think that maybe in these early Marvel movies, they were like, guys, the comic accurate suits look real dopey in real life. (laughs) Because like I can't imagine that like a bright yellow and blue suit is going to actually look good. But I think now we're to a point where we can, they can like, make little tweaks to it that make it like believable, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also close to comic accurate. Um, Cause I mean, even think of WandaVision, right? Like the, the comic accurate where they're caught, there, like Halloween costumes mm-hmm. and it was funny, but it was like, yeah, those are really, I mean, yeah. they look cool. They don't look as goofy as you think they would look. So hopefully that we, we do get that in some form moving forward. Um, you know, they're X-Men. They all look a little mm-hmm. crazy, right? Like Beast yeah. is just like a big furry blue monster. Mm-hmm. Iceman is a man made of ice. Like, does it look cool? No, it looks weird, but <laughs> it's cool to see it because like that's what we get in the comics. So, yeah. Hopefully moving forward we get some more of that. Um, oh, yeah. Well, do you guys have anything else uh, you want to talk about for the movie? I want to talk about how stupid the love triangle is. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that a lot earlier. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, it's it's almost yeah. It's like the that's set up. It, there's always something going on between those three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In every and I remember, too. yeah, they just keep it going. Like even though Jean gives Logan nothing, like she <laughs> is genuinely actually committed to Scott and. Like in my in my very very young brain watching this movie whenever I was you know a kid, I thought Scott was kind of a tool. I was like, why is he picking on Wolverine? But now seeing it as an adult, I'm like, because Logan is being creepy to his girlfriend. That's why he's being mean to him. Scott did nothing wrong. 
And even at the end, whenever uh, Logan is like, uh, Rogue's going to have to realize that someone else has captured my heart. I'm like, you've known her for three days. And again, <laughs> she's given you absolutely no attention of that kind. She's just dealing with you. That is it. Yeah. And also, so, yeah. Someone needs to tell Rogue that Logan is like and I told 108 her. <laughs> years old and she's like 17. Like, yeah. Like, at least, like, I can remember, again, being, like, a teenage girl watching this, so I at least kind of get where Rogue is coming from. I think that that's maybe why, in my deranged mind back then, I was like, well, Jean's stupid if she doesn't like Logan, because he's he's Hugh Jackman. But I recognize now, with all these years of mystique-like life experience, that Logan's the one who's being a tool here. And that James Marsden, the guy who plays Scott Summers, is a national treasure. (laughs) (laughs) He's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful in everything he's ever done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'll agree. (laughs) Well, I think that does it for our X-Men. See, it's even weird to just say it. X-Men movie. Um, (laughs) To the X-Men movie from 2000. Uh so definitely look out because next up is X2, which, uh, again, I think it was before we started, but I that was like one of the first DVDs I ever owned. So I have watched mm-hmm. that movie more than any other Marvel property. Uh, so oh, yeah. I'm ready to talk about that movie. The hype for the last scene, is, especially then, was just so unreal. <laughs> like, I just remember walking out of the theater and my brother and and because uh, i've got a younger brother and like we watched this, the comic together like you know we follow these characters and we were just losing our minds like, <laughs> like yeah if if any movie was going to like kick off the start of some like 30 movie mm-hmm. run it would have mm-hmm. been x2 uh, oh, yeah i'm i'm interested to finish x3 just so we can talk about kind of like what happened and why why those didn't continue but Mm -hmm. oh x2 is such a good movie so (laughs) keep your eyes and ears out for uh when we do x2 um the question this week will be of all of the x-men that you know of who's your favorite x-men who would you like to see in this new run of x-men comics whether it's a villain or a hero you don't have to just pick like one of the core six X-Men, like you can pick any of the new X-Men or anything like that. Uh, Just let us know on our social media who you think your favorite X-Men is, and we'll post our favorite X-Men on there. Um, And other than that, I hope you all have a happy holiday, and we will see you all next year. We're we're at that point now. Isn't that crazy? Uh, So, yeah, we'll see you all next year. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 